0: This edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke.
1: And I'm Annie Warmke.
0: And today we're going to talk about electric vehicles or the birth, the death, the rebirth, the death again, and the resurrection of the electric car.
1: Woo, that's close.
0: I know. So this this is a technology with history. Wow. So, um... So I'm I'm again this is in my wheelhouse of uh, techno stuff yeah and and we could call it about dead white scientists you know except a lot of these people aren't dead um, okay so yeah. just
1: white guys well, but anyway so, This is so cool, and I love the whole thing about electric cars, so I'm very enthusiastic about this particular show. And I want you to start out talking about the early days of electric car because I don't think people know that electric cars have been around since the beginning.
0: Yeah, really the electric vehicle was kind of sort of the very first vehicle. The internal combustion engine was a little bit later to the game. But in those early days of electric vehicles, or vehicles per se, Uh, if you think about it, the logic would be you take a horse and buggy, and then if you've got some batteries, and the battery goes all the way back to Alexandro Volta and even Benjamin Franklin um, playing around with electricity, trying to figure out a way of storing it. Well, they were able to store some of this power, so they said, okay, well, let's now transfer this power into forward motion, so, you begin to build electric vehicles. Problem is the battery technology was super, super heavy. Um, so you had really clunky, large, heavy vehicles didn't go very far,
1: yeah, but they were clean. Oh, they were clean. That for was sure. the difference between that internal combustion engine well, too. the
0: yeah, the early um internal combustion or gasoline driven cars were. We're not only dirty, belching smoke and the like, but you had to hand crank those things, yeah, which would arm. break your arm, dislocate your well, shoulder. what if they blow up? Well, that was, I mean, batteries have that problem as well. Um, one of the problems women particularly had is if they wanted to go somewhere, it was a negotiation process. You know, you had to get a driver because the early um, internal combustion vehicles were not something designed for a woman to drive. I mean, cranking it, getting it started. Yeah. It was yeah. it was macho. It was a man, manly kind of thing. So the electric vehicle just started with the push of a button. And a lot of the high society women really looked at this as freedom. I could get into my vehicle. I can go somewhere. I don't have to. It doesn't have to be a negotiating thing. And I can show up in the same condition as when I left. Clean. You know, clean. <laughs> your hair's not messed up. You're not covered in uh-huh. soot and smoke and oil and grease and the like. Um, so so they were really quite popular. In fact, by 1900, about 40% of all of the automobiles on the road were electric. Um, the thing that really killed it off, a couple of things did. Uh, first off, Henry Ford, with the mass production of the Model T, began to lower the cost to, of an internal combustion engine to the point where the average person could afford it. Um, but then Charles Kettering, uh, a good old Ohio guy, um, he actually invented the electric starter. So that was really the death nail of the electric vehicle. Oh, I know,
1: but I just have to say that the real death nail was the fact that women did not make decisions about these things. Men right. made the decisions. Well, yeah.
0: And the, and, but <laughs> that's the men. a well, yeah. That's well, a really yeah. big that, one. That just goes without saying. Oh you know? come I mean. on! Don't
1: be a brat. <laughs>
0: but really, it was kettering with the electric starter. Now you could just start the vehicle without getting in front and breaking your arm. Well, you
1: still got dirty.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But minor, they had to have special
1: clothing to wear when they drove the vehicle. Yeah, and, and goggles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So so the electric vehicle essentially um, fell upon the scrap heap of history. And we began in the early 1900s our love affair with the internal combustion engine, and all of the goodness that that provided to our society.
1: Well, electric um, cars didn't really go completely away. Uh, pretty did they? much, they made those little three-wheeled things. Uh, those and were
0: those were hobbyist things. Um, really, the for all practical purposes, they went away until now. We'll fast forward until uh, to about 1968. And 1968, we, we saw kind of, I mean, think about the late 1960s. You've got, uh, you know, the Vietnam War protests. Everybody
1: getting killed, Summer shot. of
0: Love, yeah. hippy Dippy, and all of LA this. down. And smog. I mean, smog was yeah. huge in L.A. Uh, so, so what ended up happening is a group of students at Caltech um, got the idea. They were kind of going, somebody's got to clean up this air. It was the automobile was the clear culprit. Um, so they actually had a challenge between um, Caltech and MIT to have the first cross-country electric car race. And so the team from MIT uh, in Massachusetts needed, uh, they started at their campus, the Caltech people started at their campus, and the first one to reach the other person's campus would be the winner. And that- In
1: an electric car.
0: In an electric car, yeah. And so the California guys souped up an old Volkswagen van and the uh, Massachusetts guy souped up they, that team. Souped up a corvair. Yeah, but the first thing that up. comes
1: to mind is how did they regulate the electrical current?
0: Uh, they didn't very well. I mean, this was really this was really kind of a hobbyist, student, hippy dippy. Let's head out. They did work with um, utility companies along the way for charging stations. But if you read the account of this race, it was just one disaster after another. They blew up the vehicles several times. They started fires. They, uh, they well,
1: they cr- had no inverters. Uh,
0: well, they crashed everything. I mean, oh, and the batteries got so hot they had to put ice uh, to cool the batteries. And then the water would make the vehicle electrified, so they had to jump in. <laughs> To Without touching shot. the metal, and then all Whoa. this all this fog would form inside the vehicle, and they couldn't see out. And and it was just, I mean, it, this was really an ordeal. I mean, it was a big deal, but it spurred the imagination of the geek squad. You know, right. I mean, but
1: who won? That's the well, that's the California them. guys, did. of course.
0: Well, they didn't actually get there first. Um, they got to uh, MIT after the MIT guys got to. Um, to Caltech, but they had already decided to impose certain penalties if you had to be towed. So, um, <laughs> so the the MIT guys had to be towed quite a lot. And so, with all the penalties and everything, it turned out it was like a, I forget nine days or something. Um, uh, or, but anyway, they won by fifteen minutes. Wow! So, so it was a, it was a nice. But what really started there is that people these engineering students began to get interested in the electrification of the automobile sort of all over again so this is early early days well then later um another race and this is kind of the history of the automobile races have been the the um the event the macho event that gets people motivated to innovate, you know, because you're trying to eke out a little bit more power, a little bit more speed, those kind of things. So there was a Danish-born adventurer named uh, Hans um, Tholstrup, Tholstrup, and he was actually lived in Australia. He was well known for taking a little boat around the circumnavigate the continent of Australia by himself. Uh, he, when Evil Knievel jumped over a bunch of buses with uh, with a um, motorcycle. motorcycle uh, this guy jumped over a bunch of motorcycles with a bus, and uh, he was that kind of guy. Well, well, he had this idea that electric vehicles could really be something that would help save the planet. And this is like 1987. So he started what he referred to as the World Solar Channel Challenge which was going to be a race from the north of Australia to the south of Australia using only solar vehicles.
1: Let me let me interject here because one of the things that's fascinating to me is to think about what else was going on. Like you'd like to say, while this was happening over here and over there were some other things happening. So in the late 60s, early 70s, some things that, that come to mind were people were, young people were so disgruntled by all the violence and the war and things that they said, just forget it. We're going to go back to the land. We don't even have skills to go back to the land, but we're going to go back and start reusing and reinventing things and growing food. And also then we had a president, Mr. Carter, who's turned out to be one heck of a guy, um, he put solar panels on top of the White House. This was amazing innovation. And he told people, put on a sweater. We got an oil embargo. Gasoline went through the roof in price or even if the gas station was open. So a lot of things were pushing people to be innovative or pushing them to look for other sources of energy and lifestyle and happiness, really, during that time
0: period. Well, I think that's true. It was an age when people felt like they could change the world and that it had to be changed.
1: Well, they had to change the world. Right. They're thinking, that's right, anybody over 30, don't trust them because they're destroying them. Right.
0: But then you get into the 1980s, you know, uh, the post-disco era, where <laughs> Ronald Reagan comes in and he's basically given the message of all that nonsense of trying to change the world. Well, let's take the solar panels off the White House. Let's start to uh, dismantle this infrastructure of renewable energy. Uh, So there was this pushback. So then when you get somebody who's into it getting pushback, then you begin to get pushback back. So uh, that's what uh, this what Hans uh, Tholstrup from Australia did is he said when Ronald Reagan starts dismantling this stuff, well, how do I get people motivated to see this really can change the world? Well, let's have a big old race. So he sent out all you the know, invitations. Men love that; oh, they yeah. just
1: want to see who's the whatever <laughs> right. uh, you're just saying right, what, one part of there. their anatomy is bigger uh-huh. but they're going for it well,
0: and, and whatever it takes so he's kind of going this is the this is what it's going to take let's do it so he got some pushback he got bp to be the initial sponsor british, of british petroleum. petroleum because they were having some pr problems because they had invested heavily in nuclear and um
1: Well, they did other stuff too. Well, yeah, yeah, but they
0: said, okay, we'll throw (laughs) we'll throw thirty thousand bucks or whatever your way, and that will make us appear to be green. Um, But then they got some pushback from their buddies in the petroleum industry, so they backed out. And uh, ultimately, Hans was able to get uh, General Motors interested, and General Motors through a lot of different. Uh, internal. He got he got a guy who was working for GM who was part of this initial 1960s cross-country electric vehicle race, and he got um, excited about it. So he pushed it internally in GM, and GM went into this race in a big way, and they invested literally millions of dollars in what became their Sun Racer. And racer spelled R-A-Y-C-E-R. Wow. It's not the Sunray. That's innovation. And, And these guys really invested a lot of time, money, energy into this thing. They put it into the race. And 1987, they blew everybody away. I mean, it was truly an international competition. And the GM Sunracer. Uh, it made the, the cross country trip I think it was like in just three days or in something. Australia in Australia. yeah.
1: But didn't they get like billions of dollars worth of ad?
0: Oh, yeah, they milked this thing. They They took the the vehicles to the um, they parked them near the Lincoln Memorial. They had all the congressmen uh, posing. They were they appeared in almost every single newspaper. Around the world, Life magazine, um, and it, magazine. Was a, it was a pure solar all the way across the continent of Australia. It was pretty cool, but they came up with a lot of innovations through this, and it kind of got Roger Smith at General Motors.
1: He, he's the head guy, yeah, he right. was
0: the head guy. In fact, do you remember that, Michael Moore, Roger, and me? Yeah. Well Roger Smith, he was the Roger and Roger and me when he was shutting down all this. and all this was happening. shutting at the same down time. all the
1: production of yeah. automobile industry in Detroit.
0: right. It was kind of a rough time for the automotive industry. So they seized upon this as a bright spot, you know it's like uh, uh, this is something we can show that we' we're, we're an amazingly innovative um, company. So before we go on with our tale, of Daring Do across the continent of Australia. Let me remind you that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. And we are reminding you it is the end of the world as we know it.
1: And thank God, really. Right. And it is the
0: end of the vehicles. As yes,
1: we as it. we know it. That's right. That's well, what we're talking about right now.
0: And the innovation that came about by this cross-country Australian race was was substantial. We don't want to minimize it because it has the people who were involved in it and the technologies that they um, came to develop as part of it have literally led us to the electric vehicle of today, the Teslas, uh, even the Prius uh, Prius Prime, which we just recently purchased yeah, Toyota. Yes. yes what do you call your prius prime
1: Mae, she's May. very beautiful she drives like a race car she holds the road she is a thing of beauty
0: thing of beauty and
1: and we waited 15 years in our business plan <laughs> to finally get her because right. before you had to live in california
0: and this uh the prius prime is is the world's best-selling plug-in hybrid uh, and it is—it uh, is—it has a motor, you know. We're
1: charging Toyota for this commercial. Yes, I know,
0: <laughs> but it—but it also, in combination with the electric and the gas engine, has been getting around 100 miles to the gallon, yes. which is pretty amazing, pretty yes. amazing.
1: And so. the battery has a warranty of 150,000 miles, so we aren't going to be buying another car anytime soon.
0: Right, let's hope not. So anyway, um, let's see, where was I with our intrepid uh, They won folks. the race.
1: They had big ads. They got lots of publicity. But innovation came, uh, a lot of innovation came, like regenerative. Right. What you call that? Regener- uh,
0: regenerative braking when yeah. you're going downhill. Although that's an early, early innovation. That was in the 1900s vehicles, which is hard to imagine. But they would actually recharge the battery through braking. So some of these technologies are, are old, old, old. So anyway, so Roger Smith got a little bit carried away with his own PR. And he had GM start on a, a program. Uh, they called it the Impact, the Impact, which was a concept car, a fully electric vehicle taking some of what they had learned. And when they had their um, uh, show Uh, It was the automotive show 1990 in uh, L.A. He announced this vehicle. Uh, In fact, a lot of people in GM didn't want him to because they were afraid, first off, it's not ready. But secondly, uh, you know, this is a major thing and you're doing it without a whole lot of thought. Well, it turns out they were right, at least from GM's standpoint, because the um, California Air Resources Board which is in charge of some of the air pollution regulations in the state of California, they kind of came back after this 1990 show and said, hey, if you guys are this far along, we're going to put in some rules here in California that say that by, um, by 1998, we want to have 2% of all of the cars sold in the state of California emission-free, zero emissions. Um, so and,
1: basically in a decade, they're going to turn the industry around.
0: Right. Well, within eight years, they want 2% of the cars. That mm-hmm. sounds, sounds like a little, but it's a lot. Then they said by 2001, we want 5%, and by 2003, 10% of all the cars. Basically, 10% of all the cars by 2003 will be fully electric in the state of California. Well, this kind of freaked out the automobile industry because first off, GM, who was far and ahead away uh, ahead of everybody else, they weren't even anywhere close to this. Um, so there began this large lobbying campaign against these regulations. How do we stop this from happening?
1: Well, think about all the industry that would have been trying to stop it—the fossil fuel industry, which is huge, the metals industry. I mean, yeah. It, uh, A whole bunch of congressmen. Yeah. And
0: California, of course, not being a federal agency and, uh, you know, the land of soup and our fruits and nuts, as they like to say, California. These guys. (laughs) Fruit and honey. (laughs) Uh, Okay, milk and honey. That's your idea. Anyway, um, (laughs) so so they held firm. Um, They began to basically be the the tail that wagged the dog because the entire automotive industry had to respond to California because it's a big market. And you don't want to give up that market. So, uh, so that was a twofold approach. The lobbyists began to try and do away with the law. But in the meantime, all these companies started developing electric vehicles just in case. GM being they developed uh, what became the EV1, which was uh, immortalized in the movie uh, Who Killed the Electric Car, where they sent out a number of these things. They didn't really want to sell them. But they leased them. People who drove them absolutely loved them. Um, and then they started gathering them up and destroying them. Because from GM's standpoint, it was a hedge your bet, but we don't want this side of our bet to win. So so they really kind of – it was doomed from the beginning, even okay. though they succeeded. Poisoned the well. Well, and, and it was really a mess on their part. And all the good – that they got the good publicity they got from the original race in nineteen eighty seven pretty much went to the wayside as by two thousand and three they had pretty well destroyed their their warm and fuzzies. Yeah.
1: You know, it reminds me of when they came in when Dodge and some of those other companies came in and and said, We're gonna get rid of all the mass transportation and just started oh, buying yeah. up the buses because then you had to buy a car.
0: Yeah, that was the It's
1: the same kind of thinking.
0: So anyway, and of course the California rules, because the automobile industry did not respond, they had to be revised, and they've been revised several times. Uh, the revision today is that the um, the market basically says that they want uh, 5% of the vehicles in California by 2020 to be fully electric, um, and they're moving in that direction. But they're looking at... Um, uh, Fifteen percent by 2025. So they're they're still pushing it.
1: Well, and the car industry is is in some regard perhaps responding because it seems like every major car company is developing or has developed some sort of an electric vehicle to be on the market.
0: Oh, sure. And in fact, the the um, the Prius was a response to these early California um, mandates where Toyota began on their hybrid. Uh, and, and so the success of the Prius can be directly linked back to those early regulations in California. And the Prius has been a huge success story yes. in the automotive industry.
1: But it's also interesting that the this huge industry of car manufacturers could not identify that there are a group of people who would purchase a car like the Prius, no matter what the cost, and care for that that car and reap, I mean, so many people I know that have bought Prius, then when that Prius, maybe they've leased it or whatever, or they pass it on to their kids, and they buy another Prius because it's such a great car
0: and very economical. And
1: uh, yeah, we've owned four of them, and we've we we think they're a really great vehicle
0: mm-hmm. Well, another thing that came about from that whole who killed the electric car, is a lot of the players who were involved in the um, development of the EV1. They felt absolutely betrayed. And a couple of those guys actually went on to form a company known as Tesla Motors. <laughs> and and oh. it was really just a reaction saying, look, I, want, I like the idea, love the idea of this vehicle. Uh, the other thing you need to understand is electric vehicles are, are performers. You know, these are if you're one of those motorhead guys who was into souping up vehicles, the electric vehicle has so much torque, so much speed that the guys who formed Tesla were saying, let's build ourselves a sports car um, using electric technology because the electric technology is three times as efficient, but a lot more sporty than uh, the internal gas Uh, internal combustion engine.
1: The other thing, though, that happened was there was a couple, a man and a woman, uh, married people, who developed a really amazing battery technology. Yeah. And and they came along and bought up the rights to that and then totally destroyed everything. Well, that
0: was part of the whole GM controversy, which was outlined. But it was really Tesla where a lot of the foundation with Tesla Motors was taking this idea of lithium-ion batteries, which was a different technology, mm-hmm. and saying, okay, it's working in computers, it's working in cell phones. How about if we make this work in cars? And that was kind of the big step that was needed to make this practical and to make it work. So so the two fellas who started up the company, it was a fellow named Martin Eberhard and uh, Mark uh, tarpinging tarpening something like that anyway they started it up and but they were engineers and not exactly um flush with a lot of cash it really wasn't until elon musk came in having made a ton of money in paypal um he came in invested and with his showmanship yeah
1: he's a He's a marketer. Yeah. That's what they needed.
0: Yeah, he was able to. Now, he may be a little bit wacko, but, uh, you I know. I think
1: he's gotten worse. Yeah,
0: well, you know, but he's he's the guy who really pushed it forward. And, and mm-hmm. today, um, the Tesla really is far and away the best seller. In fact, when I was looking at a list of what are the electric vehicles that are selling the most um, in the U.S., the 2019, the Tesla Model 3, which is their latest, accounts for 63% of the electric vehicles sold in, in the well, United Well, because States. people
1: have uh, that have a lot of money are on a waiting list, actually, to buy these vehicles.
0: Well, the Tesla Model 3 is, is their low-cost version, so yeah. it's in the 30,000s range. The Model X, which is their sort of second tier, like the $80,000 car, that's number two. Number three is the Chevy Bolt, and then number four is the Tesla Model S, which is their their luxury Yeah, vehicle. so
1: I rest my case.
0: Then you get the Nissan Leaf. Then there's a BMW, a Volkswagen, an Audi, a Jaguar, and the smart car, the little smart EQ. But the top plug-in hybrids, which is what we have, is Prius Prime. Yep, because it's there good at, at what go. it
1: does. So yeah. what's different this time around than was... When they were trying to do this before,
0: well, some of the the big differences, you know, it's like it's like that old Zen thing, when when the student is ready, a teacher will appear. Here. <laughs> well, uh, when the when the technology is ready, uh, a market will appear. Um, so what we're seeing is everything's coming together all at the same time. The battery technology is coming together. The price of uh, lithium-ion batteries has dropped dramatically, like one-tenth of what it was when Tesla first began. So now you're able to build a car because the cost of the lithium-ion battery is about one-third the cost of the vehicle. So if that cost is now one-tenth of what it was, the vehicle becomes more and more affordable.
1: But isn't lithium, uh, it's not a, it's it's a not really that plentiful, is it?
0: Well, it is plentiful, but it's not sustainable. Um, you know, the countries where it is mined, like Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile, um, they and there's a lot of extraction issues. It's like it's like digging for oil or mining coal. The the poor countries that are based on extraction economies always suffer. So we have to come up with a better way. But this is getting.
1: It's a It's getting us there. Yeah, it's you know. getting us to, on the right path. Yeah, so the Although other that's issue... that's not justification, but that's another story. The
0: other thing with electric vehicles has always been range. You know, you right. can't go very far. Well, Teslas, those get like 300, 350 miles on a charge.
1: Ours gets 25.
0: Well, but it's a plug-in, plug-in yeah. hybrid, so it, it's not... Then the other issue is how long does it take to recharge the vehicle? Well, now they're looking at some uh, rapid... Uh, charging stations that will recharge the vehicle in in minutes, like eighty percent charge in ten minute kind of thing. So now you don't have to sit around and wait for yeah, hours. Just for stop this
1: and vehicle. get something to eat, and come out, and you've recharged your battery. Yeah. Well, in all more of ways these, than one.
0: all of these are leading to a situation where um, you know we're looking at by two thousand and forty, which is only twenty years in the future, um, we're going to have the majority of the vehicles sold in the world are going to be electric, which is amazing. I mean, we may be experiencing at this moment peak gasoline engine vehicles. Like this may be this year. Who knows? Maybe the, yeah. the peak. So everything well, definitely is changing.
1: close if we're not there.
0: Mm-hmm. So anyway, the world is indeed changing. And we... Want to thank you for listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine" with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our award-winning producer, Adam Rich, and we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is...
1: Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and my grandma loved to drive fast,
0: so don't drive too fast. (laughs) And drive electric. Yes. Till next time. Mother Earth will sing and her children will be